First Corinthians. Huh? Yeah. First Corinthians chapter eight. I kind of thought maybe I might have some questions or disagreements on what I did last time on chapter seven. Last two times, matter of fact. Well, I mean, no, nobody's brought me any disagreements. I mean, you know. Well, it, evidently, or somebody just, I don't know, nobody's brought anything, arguments against me. And I want things to come out the way that God says so. Amen. Not me. Anyway, <clears throat> now 1 Corinthians chapter 8, this very short chapter. Now it's touching things offered unto idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet is he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols... We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things and we by him. <clears throat> Howbeit, there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee which hast knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when ye sin so against the brethren, and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Amen. May the Lord add his blessings to 1 Corinthians 8th chapter. Now, remember, Corinth was a hotbed of idolatry. It still is today. Uh, all over there, Athens and Corinth, it still is. I guess there's more idolatry there now than there was then. Uh, you, anybody been to Athens? You can buy, you can buy idols over there. I mean, it's more than a going here to concrete. 
yard construction place where they make idols of that woman with a hoodie on. Anyway, so when people are saved out of that, they are, they can be saved out of it, but they've been steeped in idolatry. And so they've still got the remnants of it. I've seen it right here. Uh, people that are saved out of Catholicism. You think that they're all right. But it takes them years to get the, all of that out of their system. And I'm not saying that they don't trust the Lord, but they've still got they've still got all that in their system. And it takes a long time to get that out. Well, I think somebody might be better off if they'd never learned anything and then God saves them than if they'd learned a false religion and then uh, then get saved. God saves them. So it's a problem. Well, Paul recognized that problem. We need to recognize that problem. We can't expect everybody to be like we are. You think... You think of how much Bible instruction that we've had and that we get on a constant basis. Not many people get that. They really don't. And so you can't expect everybody to be where you are. And so Paul said in Romans, him that is weak in the faith receive you but not to doubtful disputations. Uh, somebody that's weak in the faith and they can be taught, receive them into the church. Now, if somebody's a heretic and they're espousing their heresy, I'm not going to bring them into the church to, to spread that heresy in the church. But if you talk to them, that's why all of this sudden stuff have a big rush of people come into the church is very very dangerous and it can absolutely destroy a church in a heartbeat churches all over that have been destroyed just like that but I had some big emotional meeting and a whole bunch of people come in and on the spur of the moment make a profession of faith and the church receives them and they baptize them and the next thing you know that church is, is just replete with heresy because you, you can't handle them. People think they can handle stuff. But you need, to, you need to go with the word of God. And try the spirits of what sort they are. Uh, the Bible says about deacons. Let them first be proved. And there is a principle. I believe uh, anytime there's something like that. Let, it first, let them first be proved. They'll wait. Uh, so, things offered unto idols. Idolatry is a very busy religion. I don't know what all's around, but there's about everything is still around that ever used to be around. And Obviously, these idols there in 
Corinth, they would offer meat sacrifices to the idol. Well, we find this chapter 10 also. Now that meat, if there was a meat market, let's see. At Sam's, I believe hamburger is $5 a pound. I believe that's what it was today was down there. Now, that's pretty, pretty pricey, isn't it? Now, what if a meat market opened up and they were selling hamburger for 89 cents a pound? Do you think they'd have a line there? Then you find out, well, actually all that meat, the steaks and all that, they've been used in idolatrous worship offered to an idol, and now they're selling that meat. Well, there'd still be people go by. Well, evidently, these people that loved, the, that knew the Lord were buying it. Well, I would hope, you know, it hadn't been handled. You know, I don't want to eat meat that's been handled by everybody. One time we went out, Debsey Henderson and George Bean down in uh, Brazil. And we went back to this little old village called Haposa, meant fox. Primitive, primitive, primitive. If you look, get out of our vehicle, wasn't another one anywhere around. We had the only vehicle. And it was on a, a, a beach, a, you know, a seacoast, a beach. That's where that village was. And every, the ones that had a job, they went out and fished. And that's how they made their money, made their living. And uh, we were going to go out and get in a, a fishing boat and go out fishing. Well, we got there and had a couple of the Brazilians with us, besides the Brazilian sailors. We got on that boat. It wasn't a big boat, but it was, wasn't a raft, it was a boat. And we went out. I wondered what this one Brazilian boy had. He had a big piece of fish. And Dempsey and George were playing with it. It wasn't wrapped up in anything. Just a big piece of raw fish. I could put in somebody's pocket and then they'd find it and then they'd put somebody else... Slipping in somebody, just playing with that thing. And by the time it was going to eat, guess what they'd been playing with? Was our lunch. They had a, an old automobile car wheel. That was their cooker. They put homemade Charcoal that they had made. They made charcoal. Don't throw anything away. 
And they took that big old raw piece of fish and threw it right down there on the charcoal. Now, till that thing got cooked, it was, it was burning flesh. Well, you know what that smells like? I didn't eat. I went to the side and they laughed at me. But I didn't eat anything. I wasn't going to eat that. And they ate it and enjoyed it, I guess. But anyway, you tend to think that this meat was something like that. Well, I hopefully it wasn't handled like that. But anyway, it had been used in a worship service of an idol. Now, I don't want to be a part of that idolatrous worship. But if you can't afford meat, and boy, it's got to where you can't hardly afford it, and you can buy that meat for a price that you can't afford, should you buy it? Well, that's, there is the question. So before we get too far into it, Paul said, we know that we all have knowledge, but be careful of knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up. You know what puffeth up means? Blow air into it. You look like something and you're nothing inside. But charity, love, builds up. Not puff up. You was in Florida. We pull these uh, blowfish off the pier, you know, you pull up anything from from the ocean. But these blowfish, they look like a like an alligator on the back, and then they had a couple of two top teeth and two bottom teeth, real big teeth, <laughs> looked fierce. But then when you'd pull them up out out of the water on that pier, they'd blow up. They'd blow their belly up like a puff hatter. And nothing in it but air. We'd take a hunting knife, stick it in there. You know, we shouldn't have done that, but we did. Puffs up. They got puffed up trying to show that they're bigger than what they were. Well, what do you think knowledge puffing up does to the one that's puffed up? Trying to show that he's something that he's not. All right. And here's what Paul says about that. If any man thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. When I got done with Lexington Baptist College, graduated, I went another year after that. So what would you learn those four years that I didn't know much That was my best lesson that I learned, that I didn't know much. So, well, didn't you do your work? Yeah, I made top grades. But I learned that I didn't know much, and I wasn't going to live long to know everything I want to know. So knowledge puffs up, but charity edifies. Remember that in any context. Charity builds up. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Now there's seemed to be a little controversy on that verse, whether it was talking about God or the man. I don't think there's any question. 
if any man loves God, there's your, the same is known of him. It, it shows. If you love God, it shows. And it's known about you. And as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols. Now, there's no question. The Bible is Old and New Testament alike, through and through, is anti-idolatry. I mean, the first two commandments uh, are absolutely, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Uh, So there's no way that he is soft on idolatry. What he's trying to get us to see is that there are people who don't have the knowledge that others have. And they have problems. And it is up to the stronger to protect the weaker. All right? We know that an idol is nothing in the world. That's why people say, oh, you ought not do that. Well, I do it because I want people to know that, that an idol is nothing in this world. When I say that that idol has got a woman with a hoodie on, I, I think everybody knows who I'm talking about, what I'm talking about. And that's all it is, piece of concrete or a piece of plaster, whatever it is. We know that an idol is nothing in this world and that there is none other God but one. So these people that offer this meat up to these idols, they may have handled it. I hope they didn't, but if they, they may have handled it and uh, germed it up. But one thing's for sure, that idol didn't do a thing to it. Not a thing. So, for though there be that are called gods, little g, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, oh, there's all kinds of little g gods and little l lords all over the world. But to us, there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. So, to us, we who know the Lord. Now, this is not true with everybody else. They don't know what we know, but we know what we know, and we're willing to stand on that. So, look quickly at chapter 10. Paul says in verse 19, What say I then that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons. There's your idols, and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with demons. So, I thought I'd just reference that. Paul is not soft on idolatry. He tells us about it. 
But what he is trying to get us to understand is that there are people who are saved who have not had the advantage of being taught as we have been taught and we are to be compassionate towards them and helpful towards them. That's what he said in Romans. Him that is weak in the faith receive you, but not to doubtful disputations. Don't bring them in your church to try to beat their brains in. Bring them along in love. Instruct them. So, verse 7. How be it? There is not in every man that knowledge. Now look what he's, he's assured us in. We know there's only one in God, God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We know there's only one. That's part and parcel of our beliefs. But everybody's not like that. They haven't had that, that advantage. All right, so there's not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idle, knowledge or consideration of the idle, unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. Now if they're eating it as something that's offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. They say, if is it wrong to eat that meat that's been offered to idols? You say no and they say, yeah, I know what that idolatry is. Yeah, it is wrong. But they're eating it anyway. What they're doing is defiling their conscience. And you don't want to lead them in that. You want to encourage them to get away. Because here's the thing. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So here's that 89 cent a pound hamburger. Uh, you've got a 10 pound thing of it. You're going to have a cookout. Yeah, we're going to eat this, but this is tainted meat. It's been offered to idols. you got no business eating it. Now, because you're going against your conscience. One pastor years ago used to preach that it was a sin to read the newspaper on Sunday. And I told him, I said, well, brother, it may be to you. I said, I don't have time to read it, and this doesn't got so expensive, I can't afford to buy it. But I'll be real honest with you, if I had it and I had the time, I'd read what I could of it. It's not wrong to me to read a paper, newspaper, on Sunday. But Sunday morning, Sunday evening, I'm at church, I've got things to do. But I'll say this, with him believing that, if he read a newspaper on Sunday, that would be sin to him. Because he would be sinning against his conscience. And that's the same thing here. Now, 
But meat, now you've got about three words that are used that can be food, generally, or meat. This is broma, and this is one of the words, but it can also be used as just food. But we're talking, definitely talking about meat. Uh, and then the other word flesh is used down here. We use the word flesh for human flesh. King James English used flesh for animal meat, animal flesh. Now, but meat commends us not to God, not of itself. For neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. Either way, we're not going to open the portals to heaven wider if we eat meat or if we don't eat meat. Either way, it's not going to commend us anyway to God. But what will is how we treat others and how we honor our own conscience. All right. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. All right? We have liberty. You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. If the Son of Man make you free, you shall be free indeed. Knowing the word of God, we're free indeed. We have a liberty. Knowing that eating the meat or not eating the meat ain't going to do a thing between us and God. We have that but does every believer have that liberty? And the answer is no. Some don't. And those are the ones we need to look out for. So, take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes, become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Well, how would that be a stumbling block? You say, well, I, I, my wife got some steaks down there at the shambles. That's that meat market. I think he talks about that in chapter 10. My wife got some T-bone steaks down there and got them for a dollar a piece. And they ain't, that idol ain't nothing. I'm going to eat them. Well, you know, this new brother in the church is coming over to your cookout and he's going to be offended by that. Well, that's his problem. I, I can do it. Not and not sin against God. No, that's your problem. We'll eat eating meat, eating that meat, that kind of meat, and it offends your weak brother. Is it necessary for you to eat that, even though you can, but not in front of him? We're going to have chicken. Or maybe catfish. Not T-bone steaks that have been offered to idols. We're going to remove that from the table. They won't even be under discussion. We're not going to offend that brother's weak conscience. We're not going to make him tempt him to override his conscience and eat that meat that he believes is sin. 
It's not. He just doesn't know that. And so, don't let your liberty become a summoning block to him. For if any man see thee, which hast knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Well, if he can do it, I can do it. I don't, still, I don't know how, but I, I know it's still wrong, but I can do it. If he can do it. And that's what you're doing. You're emboldening him to sin against his conscience. And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. I mean, you talk about him backsliding, and the next thing you know, he'll be out of church. Because you wanted to eat a T-bone that you had a right to eat. Or what's that other one you, you get? the Yeah, filet mignon. Or whatever. Nothing wrong with them. But if they came from there, and he's sure that, that it's sin, and you say, oh, no, we're all right with that. No. Well, you wait till he comes around to that, till the Lord teaches him that. And then, verse 12, But when ye sin so against the brethren, he's not talking about lost people, he's talking about brethren. Uh, I've always said this, I believe the Bible teaches total abstinence. Have no problem preaching that. But some people believe that, that a child of God can drink a little wine or drink a beer or two. That's, that's some, some do believe that. But here's what I ask about, about that. Well, I think in Charles Spurgeon, didn't he smoke cigars? Well, I believe smoking's wrong. It'd be wrong for me, I'll tell you that. But why would I have to do that? Even if I thought I, if I could do that without sinning against God, if I'd go to, to a grocery store and go down that beer aisle, what if you all looked around the corner and there me and my little buggy? And I get me a six-pack of Bud Light or any other light. <laughs> I had to say that. But if I, but I get that six-pack of beer and put that in my cart and then go by the other aisle and get me a carton of cigarettes and put them in my buggy. Well, people say, oh, well, that won't send you to hell. What would that do in your estimation to me? There's no way you could ever look at me the same again. I say, oh, yeah, I would. No, you're lying. Just lying. You couldn't. You couldn't and you wouldn't. 
hot preacher, he'd be drinking at beer. And I've heard preachers say, well, it's all right, I can have one as long as I don't go to excess with it. There's been a lot of them. A lot of them nowadays do that. But I don't believe they can do it. But I think it, yeah, I think it definitely wounds a weak brother's conscience. Absolutely. Now, but when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh. And the both words meat and flesh mean the same thing. While the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Now, knowledge puffeth up. <laughs> but charity edifies. That's why I started with, with this. So, <clears throat> rather than make a weak brother to offend, we'll get our protein from cornbread and beans. That's not too hard anyway, is it? <laughs> but, but anyway. So there is, it's not all he's got. We get back in chapter 10 and get more about it. Uh, but anyway, and there's also in Romans about it. There's chapter 8. If you've got questions or comments. In chapter 9, Paul, Paul says, am I not an apostle? Well, I don't think Paul doubted his apostleship. Although many questioned it, and many question it today, whether Paul was a legitimate apostle. But he says, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? He's, he is certifying himself and his ministry. And that's why many of his books, epistles, he starts out with an apostle called of God. An apostle by the will of God because People were doubting his apostleship. Well, he says, have I not seen, seen Jesus Christ our Lord? That's one of the qualifications. It had to be taught personally by the Lord. We get that in Acts, the first chapter. Paul had the qualifications. He got, his, he got John's baptism from Ananias in Damascus. And how do I know that? Because God sent Paul to Ananias and God certainly knows how to choose the qualified agent to baptize. <laughs> so, he says, are not you all my work in the Lord? As a result of his ministry, here you are. So now he's certifying himself there. If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. You've got no room to doubt my apostleship. Others may doubt it, but you have no room to doubt my apostleship. For the seal of mine apostleship are you all in the Lord. 
And mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? The power means the authority. Paul says, I have the authority to have a wife. Though he had lost his and his children when God saved him. And the proof of that is that he was on the Sanhedrin council before the Lord saved him. And in order to be there, you have to have a wife and you have to have children. You can check Eusebius, very early writing, about the 4th century. He talks about the wife of Paul. So Paul had a wife. People think that Paul never had a wife. That's not true. And they say, well, he couldn't marry again. Yes, he could. He says he could right here. Have, I, have we not a power to, to lead about, notice what he says, a sister. He's not talking about his blood sister. He's talking about a sister in the Lord, a wife. No, he didn't have the authority to marry a lost woman. But he had the authority to marry a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas. Cephas is Peter. Now I wonder what... Uh, The Catholic Church and Pope Hildebrand, that wasn't his real name, it was an assumed name like they all get, about 1057 A.D., he declared that the priest had to remain celibate. They couldn't be married. And the nuns had to remain celibate. Now, that remains... Celibate means without sex. We found out that they're not celibate. They're having it, just ain't having it God's way. They're having it Satan's way. But he wasn't teaching celibacy of the priesthood or the apostleship. And after all, didn't Cephas have a wife? I know he had a mother-in-law and pretty much if you've got a mother-in-law you either have or have had a wife. Isn't that right? That puts to the lie what the Roman Catholic Church takes as absolute truth. But it's not. It's a lie. Anyway, I'm going to quit there. We'll take on it next time.